I still struggle with mindfulness of thinking. I think so much. I wish I could learn to be mindful of thoughts. Any hints? Even saying why it's different, such as um, Alex's references to the wispiness of thoughts is helpful. I guess it's helpful for this question, questioner. It is hard to be mindful of thoughts. Thoughts are, thoughts are, um, they are, they're wispy, they're not tangible, they're not, when you're having a sensation in your body, like your knee is aching, or there's a, there's a, it's a feeling in your heart that it's very obvious, but thoughts, they're just, they just come and go very quickly. So it's hard to be mindful of thoughts. And it's absolutely possible to be mindful of thoughts. One thing that's interesting that you can kind of notice is, is the thought arising as an image? Is it arising as words? Is it arising as a sense? So you can start to begin to, to look a little bit more closely at how thoughts are arising. And giving it labels is very helpful. So we mentioned the sum, but planning, remembering, imagining. So using words to kind of help you, help you understand this little wispy thing that's moving through you also will, will give you just a little bit more perspective on the thought. It's like, it's the rain, it's the part of rain, it's the R in rain. So the, the labeling of thoughts is something that people use. Um, and sometimes it's possible to sit back and actually notice the thoughts as they're coming and going. And so whether the labeling is helpful at that moment, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just, it's just, hmm, there's, it's, here's a playful thing that you can do. Imagine that you are an alien from another planet entering into your body and just noticing what these thoughts are. There's all these thoughts. Do you notice thoughts at the beginning, the middle, or the end? When I notice a thought, what happens? What are the types of thoughts? Are there repetitive thoughts? So we can just start to get to know our thoughts. And the more that we, we anyway, the more we can do it, the more we, we will have um, a little bit of space around the thoughts. So those are just some thoughts on thoughts. <laughs> Carol, you wanna pick one? What do you want to do? Go for it. I guess this one. <laughs> <laughs> Since Alex mentioned that when he is aware of a thought, it is five percent and ninety-five percent where the 5% is labeling the thought as thought by saying thinking. So kind of you answered that. Mm. Then what then is the 95%? I think Alex should answer answer that that. question. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for me, the 95% is... um, 
you can be aware of the flow of thinking just as the movement of the mind itself. And so you can think about it a little bit like, again, excuse me because I use metaphors to a fault to try to describe my internal experience. Um, But you can think a little bit like you're sitting on the bank of a river. So you're not just observing thoughts, but you're also feeling thinking happening. So it's a little bit like having your toes in the stream, so you feel the movement of the stream while you're also sitting on the bank. So you have enough... um, enough perspective that you're not carried away by the current of the stream. And what's amazing about it is that there are all these different subtle layers of being able to notice thoughts. So there are the thoughts that are kind of in the foreground, and then there are the thoughts that are in the background that are commenting about the thoughts. And so then we kind of know that they're in the background and they're there. And then you can even have the thoughts that are like, the bubbling thoughts. It's just like if I use overuse the metaphor of the brook, it's the bubbling brook. It's just sort of like... And they just kind of happen. And then on the really subtle level, you can see I spent a lot of time working with my thoughts. Um, <laughs> I'll give you another image to give you what I'm trying to convey of my internal experience. If you've ever been in the subway and you stand at the edge of the platform and you have the experience of the wind coming down the tunnel and you feel the wind first before you see the light of the subway car, before you hear the sound of the train moving or before you even kind of get the rumbling of the tracks, you can get that kind of level of the felt sense of thinking. You're about to think. So this is the kind of Um, 95% that I'm talking about. Because if we stay just with the concepts, then we miss the richness of understanding the nuance of all of this. Your turn again. (laughs) Dear Victoria... That's a big question for Victoria. How do we address desire and we have likes of alcohol, sex, money, etc. with these practices and methods we have learned? So a good one I can't speak for Victoria, but um, feel free if you want to come over and take the mic for me. And um, So I think with desire, we, we talked a little bit about... Um, when we practice, we start recognizing, you know, there's a difference between desire and pleasure, right? So the difference, what is the difference between desire and pleasure? You know, this is, pleasure is a pleasant state that's happening in the moment. Desire can also, there is a prelude to that desire before experiencing pleasure. But there's also a feeling of grasping, you know, once we start desiring, there's a longing, there's a grasping, there's a craving for, you know. So just recognizing that quality of desire, and, and it's not that there's any, I was explaining this to a group, it's, there is no bad or good around it. It's actually pleasant, but what it becomes where it takes us away from the live experience of pleasant, you know, you'll notice that that's fleeing, 
What isn't fleeing is the longing and the craving and the grasping that leads to the possible, you know, obsessive thinking or ruminating of something. It could be sex, desire, sex. It doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It actually can be pleasurable. Many of you probably experienced it here this week quite a lot. You know, so, I mean, just knowing the nature of your mind in that way and getting to recognize, oh, I'm having desires, you know, from maybe the five sense doors, or what we call the six sense doors, um, one being a certain sound that brings up a memory or a smell, a scent, you know, or something that is nice and tasty that might bring a memory. And it's those memories that we start craving and longing. And so how do we practice with it? For me, the practice is becoming aware of it. Becoming aware of the difference of once I live, once I go out of that lived experience and I start ruminating and obsessing and actually using desire to distract myself than actually be in the lived moment, that's the type of, you know, that's where the practice becomes very helpful, is becoming fully aware of what's here at the sense door. And would you like to add something else? I can go on, but I know these are quick questions. Um, there's just another layer I want to speak to here, which is that, um, and I'll kind of speak about this from my own positionality um, as a male, um, to, to really investigate um, this kind of um, energy because um, it can be projected out. It can be used to objectify. So this gets into the behavioral and the ethical dimensions. And so as a father to a daughter, this brings a whole other level of investigation. And so I just want to name that layer um, that I was feeling um, in that question and just wanted to give voice to. I want to say one thing. And it's not that we're reinforcing anything about, you know, um, that everything, I mean, actually addiction is not so common. It's quite rare if you think about what the definition of addiction is. But you know, moving towards the distraction and getting away from the live experience and really noticing that is what I'm speaking to through alcohol or through substances or through whatever it is. It could be love, it could be anything. It could be the need to be in perfection, the need to know. It can be, there's so many things that we can't rest in the live moment you know, that takes us outside of ourselves, that leads us into something. So it's just really the practice is shining light on that. You know, it's not to say you can't have pleasure. Sorry. So I just wanted, it's just that when you are in the realm of pleasure in that live moment, you really can enjoy it in a way that's fully understanding what that pleasure means in that moment without losing self or distracting self from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's lots of good books about that. Mindfulness, 
and you know those subtleties of of addiction and cravings and desire thank you we're going to now um, change course a little bit and talk about a theme and do a meditation practice and that theme is the theme of equanimity or even-mindedness or balance and it came up a lot in our groups today so I'm going to talk maybe for like five minutes and then we'll we'll do the practice associated with this and I also want to just acknowledge there were so many great questions. We were reading them and we just, they're wonderful. And most of them didn't get answered. And you will, I think I said that. Um, but you will like hold these questions with you and find ways of getting them answered. You know, whether it's reaching out to one of us if it's a really burning question or new other teachers or because they're, we want to encourage this curious mind and finding some answers. And some of the questions get answered in practice. Like they reveal themselves to you over time. So as so I was talking about equanimity, and actually it's quite related. Um, many people were coming into the groups talking about situations that they have in their life that feels like it's, it's something they've had to let go of control or it's something they couldn't control and they wish they could figure out how to not keep trying to control it. And life, the thing about life, as I think you may have noticed, is we're not in control. We'd like to be in control, we'd like to run, run the show and things happen and life is this extraordinary mixture of pleasure and pain all the time. And so because we can't control conditions and we can't control what our child is doing or what our in-laws are doing or we can't control this, this world where there's so much suffering all the time, that the only thing we really can control, and it's not exactly control, but what we can do is try to figure out how to have some peace of mind in the midst of it. That we can find a place of ease and balance even with all the changing conditions, whether they're personal or in the larger sphere. So finding equanimity or peace of mind also doesn't mean then I'm so peaceful that I don't act. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just talking about how do we live in a place that's a bit more connected, um, less reactive, more even-minded in the face of conditions that life brings. And from that place of what we call equanimity, then we can make action. Then we can take action. Then we can fight for justice. Then we can try to make the situation change in our in our home if we need to. But we're doing it from a place of of uh, of this inner connection, inner connection. So equanimity is something you've been developing all week. The more you sit here and the more you stay with whatever your experience is and you don't get up and run out of the room, even when your knees are burning up and your back hurts and you're feeling a lot of misery, but you stay, you're cultivating this capacity to be present with things as they are. 
Remember in the definition I said, um, I, I define mindfulness as paying attention to our present moment experiences with openness and curiosity and a willingness to be with what is. And that's what we've been doing. We've been really having to be willing to be with what is. And so now we're, things are happening. We're, we're going to end the retreat and it, it, it can feel disturbing and talking can, be, can feel really hard. Some of you are loving it. Some of you are hating it. But we can find an even-minded balance in equanimity even in the face of these changing conditions. So a story that I love to tell is that when I was living in the monastery that I was telling you about the other night, um, I told you there were lots of, uh, of like snakes and spiders and those kinds of things, but one of the things that drove me insane was mosquitoes. There were, especially during certain times of the year and certain hours in the day, there were, it was just overwhelming the amount of mosquitoes. And so somewhere about three or four months into my meditation retreat, I decided that I was going to start trying to figure out what to do about those mosquitoes. And I began to create mosquito traps. So the first one I did was I got this big, I knew mosquitoes didn't like water, or were attracted to like stagnant water. So I got a big bucket of lake water and I put it in the center of my room and I waited for those mosquitoes to land. And then in the morning I'd wake up and there'd be all these mosquitoes and I'd take something and cover it up and run it outside of the room. It worked a little bit. And then in the hut that I was living in, it didn't have any screens. So I started covering, or it had these like, I don't know why, it had ventilation, big holes that the mosquitoes would fly in. So I put newspaper over it and then I started boiling. And so it was like meditating in a sauna. So I gave that up. (laughs) And then the best one was I turned out all the lights, but put on an outside light and stood in front of the window and yelled, come and get me. And the mosquitoes went flying (laughs) towards me, kind of towards the light, and they flew out, and I felt like a Toreador, right? (laughs) And that one actually worked really well. But the problem was, (laughs) as you can imagine, that I was making great mosquito traps, but I was not meditating at all. (laughs) And, um, And then... I had this realization that I could design all the mosquito traps in the world, but there would always be another mosquito, right? And that what would be way better would be having a mind that could be okay, even in the midst of the mosquitoes. And that was the start of me really getting what equanimity was. And I kind of use that phrase a lot in my meditation when I start to feel really reactive. There's always another mosquito. (laughs) So, there are practices that, as I said, our mindfulness practice cultivates, cultivates equanimity. And there are deliberate practices that we can do to cultivate equanimity so we have this mind of balance that can face whatever life brings, even the really, really hard personal stuff, even the, all the talking people that are driving us insane, even the, um, it's not easy, but even the challenges out in the world that we can have more peace of mind. And 
But some of us are caregivers and they work with, you know, in high stress jobs and we're first responders. And having equanimity is such a powerful, powerful and important thing to cultivate. So what we're going to do is a practice right now the next 15 minutes that cultivates equanimity. And we do it kind of like the loving kindness by saying phrases and imagining, sensing, thinking about it. And so let's do it. So we'll start with a minute or two of focused awareness just to help settle us and come back. So as I talked about equanimity, wondering if you can recall a time in your life when you had this quality, this quality of even-mindedness or balance. This could be in relation to another person where you felt quite solid, unshakable, could be in relation to a situation in your life, or it could be about something inside yourself, at a time when you felt balanced, solid, equanimous, even-minded. Let's see what pops into your mind. It could be a really small thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Maybe you surprised yourself by how well you handled something. So as you bring that memory to mind, Really fill out the memory. Where were you? What happened? Maybe you can remember sights, smells. How did you feel inside? Can you remember? 
And if you can't come up with anything, maybe you can just try to imagine how equanimity might feel. And so you might notice a sense of strength or spaciousness or clarity or ease. And as you think of this situation, we can say in our mind, and you can repeat silently after me, things are as they are. Things were as they were. I could be with them as they were. I could be with you as you were. I could be with myself as I was. And some of these words may fit the situation better than others. So just take those words that make sense. And just to acknowledge that you had this equanimity and really feeling in your body, if possible, what was it like to have this even-mindedness, this balance, sensing your body, breathing, Things are as they are. Now let yourself bring to mind something in your life right now where it's hard to feel equanimity. You don't have to pick the hardest thing in your life, but something where you're feeling some challenge. This could be a person in your life where it's really a struggle to feel balance with them, a situation that you're trying to control that really is out of your hands. an aspect of yourself that it's hard to feel equanimity about. So choose something now. Breathe and let this thing come to mind. And notice how it feels inside you when you think about it. Maybe there's some constriction or worry or grief. And just breathe, letting whatever is here be here. It's okay. These things are hard. We don't have to have it figured out or solved. 
It's actually really normal to react the way we tend to react to things. And you might ask yourself, is there something that I want for this person or for myself or in this situation? Maybe I just want them to be safe. I just want to be seen. I just want the world to be just, peaceful. Maybe take a moment to connect with that longing Letting whatever is here be here. And then we'll offer some phrases to remind us about the reality that things are as they are. Things are as they are. So you can say these words to yourself or directed towards that person or situation might have your own words. May I be with things as they are. Breathing. You are as you are. May I be with you as you are. I am as I am. May I accept myself just as I am. Find the words that make sense to you. Here's some other options. May I weather this with even-mindedness. May I know we'll get through this. I'm not in control of the universe. We just say these words and we see the resonance, we feel the resonance in our bodies. Breathing and sensing. And just say whichever, keep saying what works for you. And if the words don't quite hit, maybe you can just get the feeling that we're trying to evoke. You can play with it on that level. Maybe you have images. You can think of a mountain has so much dignity. something might come to mind. May I be with this as it is. Things are as they are. Just holding this with equanimity. And sometimes 
we can't have equanimity. It just feels impossible. So we can say, well, we can have equanimity with not having equanimity. Can I be with okay with not being okay with this? So just see what that means to you. Or whatever it is I'm feeling right now, may I hold this with kindness. May I hold this with awareness. So just take this last minute to see what feels important for you to do regarding this situation. Maybe words you want to say. Maybe just feeling your own body. Maybe connecting to that easier place we we did in the beginning. Things are as they are. And checking into yourself, we also can ask the question, from this place of equanimity, is there any wisdom about some action or something I need to say or do connected to the situation? So it's like we're asking the equanimity. How must I act? What do I need to do? Really listening to the wisdom of your heart and mind. So if you need to make a commitment to yourself about this, feel free to do that now. And maybe that commitment is simply just to let go more and more here. Or to stand up for what I believe in. Or to be more loving. And just listen. So finally, as the equanimity is here, really letting yourself feel it and sense it in your body right now. Spacious, solid, connected, balanced. Letting that spread if it's here.
And if it's not here, for whatever it is I'm feeling, may I hold this too in awareness, in kindness, That's another practice you can take home with you. I think most of you know that everything we've done here up here has been recorded. So if you forgot everything, which I know I would, (laughs) if I were out there, I would have forgotten everything. You can listen to it again and practice with it. We have walking meditation for the next half hour before our final evening sitting. So we'll see you there or go to bed. You are back in silence. Sorry, let me just say this one more time. Sorry, I didn't get to say it. You're back in silence now through the early morning sit. Please do not talk. And then talking can happen, I think, uh, yeah, right after, right after the sitting. Oh, sorry, I'm confused. Um, after the, at 7 o'clock with breakfast, below the gate. Yeah, we were confused, but we want to keep your talking basically below the gate. And the interpreters are available for um, for chatting if you want to meet some of our friends over here. And, and so just to know that we're all part of this community together. Okay, tomorrow. This is posted. See ya.